This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the blueprint to becoming a data analyst, and I'm going to walk you through all the levels step by step to become one this year. First off, level one. Level one is knowing that I want to become a data analyst. And why should you become a data analyst? Well, I have four F's, and it's not a bad word, <laughs> about why you should become a data analyst. Number one, data careers are fun. It's like you're a detective trying to figure out how the data left clues to try to tell your business or organization how it could possibly do better. So data jobs are really fun and they're flexible. That's the second F. That means you can possibly work from home, work remotely, have a hybrid work situation. And also there's not like tight deadlines a lot of the time. Number three is it's financially rewarding. Data jobs are some of the highest paying jobs that you can get, especially with a low barrier to entry. Uh, you can make over six figures in the data world for sure. And finally, the fourth F is it's frequently sought after. Data roles are really sought after. They're only getting more and more important as we get into a more digital world. Those are the reasons why you should become a data analyst. But let's talk about the different titles because you might be like, okay, you know, data analyst, sure. But actually there's a lot of titles that aren't data analyst titles that actually are data analyst roles. So for example, there's a business analyst, there's a financial analyst, there are marketing analysts, quantitative researchers, a BI engineer, BI standing for business intelligence. In fact, there's a business intelligence analyst role. There's a data viz specialist and a bunch more. Unfortunately, in a data world, we just like cannot agree on what titles should be. And so we have a bunch of titles to represent the exact same role, which is confusing for you, but it's also really important for you to know all these different titles. So when you do your job search and you're actually looking, you can know what type of jobs to be looking for. These roles pretty much all do this, the same thing. Some of them are going to be more focused on SQL. Some of them are going to be more focused on data visualization. Some are going to have more focused on statistics or something like that. Overall, any of these would be a great first role for you to land in the data world. Now, you might be thinking, well, what about a data scientist or a data engineer? And I actually don't think if you're trying to land your first data role, you should even be worried about a data scientist or a data engineer. The reason being is I've actually been all three and the data analyst definitely has the lowest barrier to entry. It's fun to be a data scientist. It's cool to be a data engineer, but the barrier to enter those fields are a lot higher because those fields have a little bit more responsibility, but also more importantly, they require a lot more coding, which it just takes a long time to learn. Coding is not easy at all to get started with. As a data analyst, you can actually get started without coding one line really whatsoever. Um, so don't worry about those titles for now. I'd put them aside and I'd focus more on becoming a data analyst. And I went from being a chemical lab technician to a data analyst, to a data scientist, 
to a data engineer. I've worked for companies like ExxonMobil, MIT, Harley-Davidson, and now I've helped hundreds of people land their first data job as data analysts. And that's what I spend my time doing, creating content and teaching. So level two in this blueprint is identifying the skills to get you there, to get me there, okay? So you shouldn't be learning Python or R. I just told you that, you know, learning programming languages is really time intensive. And to be honest, there's not even that much big bang for your buck at this point. It is a very steep learning curve and the dividends for learning these programming languages doesn't really pay off till later in your data career. So what should you be focused on instead? Well, in my opinion, why not just see what's actually being listed for and then just learn those skills, right? If I was trying to become a data analyst today, I would try to do it as quickly as possible with learning the least amount of skills possible. So that way, actually, I can get a job and I can get paid to learn the rest of the skills on the job. You see, no one actually is 100% prepared for any job that they get. And there will always be on-the-job training. And honestly, that training is the absolute best. As someone who has a master's degree, who runs a data analytics bootcamp, there's no way to really compete with on-job training. So my goal would try to be getting in that door as quickly as possible and actually get those lessons from my employer. So instead of trying to learn everything, instead of trying to learn Python or all these different things, why not just focus on the bare minimum and what's being required the most? And so I actually really like this resource. It's from Luke Bruce. You guys might have seen him on YouTube. It's datanerd.tech. And what Luke's doing is absolutely amazing. He's actually web scraping hundreds of thousands of job descriptions and taking a look at the data that's inside of those job descriptions. And it turns out if you look at this bar chart that he's created, you'll actually see what the most important data skills to learn for becoming a data analyst are. Now, of course, you're going to see SQL at the top. That's going to be really important for landing your first data role. To be honest, I landed mine without knowing it. As you see, it's the most in-demand data tool actually for all three of the families, the data analyst, the data scientist, and a data engineer. So it's totally worth learning. You are, of course, going to see Python up there. But what I want to emphasize here is this is actually for entry-level and intermediate jobs. And so Python does get more important down the road. But what you're not maybe realizing is that Power BI and Tableau are pretty similar. And so if you combine the two, that actually jumps up their rating quite a bit. So those are really important to learn. And then of course, Microsoft Excel. That is the granddaddy of them all in the data analytics world. And there's a lot of companies who really haven't gotten past data uh, analytics in Excel. So you definitely wanna make sure you're learning Excel. And so you really wanna be focusing on number one, SQL, number two, Excel, and then number three, some sort of visualization tool, whether it's Tableau or Power BI. I would personally learn Tableau. I just think it has a stronger community behind it with Tableau Public. There's a lot of training online for free and stuff like that. It's also more in demand. But once you learn one of these tools, Tableau or Power BI, a lot there will be quite a bit of overlap between the two and you'll be able to learn the other one much faster. If you want to learn more about what skills you should really be focused on, definitely check out episode 75 of this podcast, the Data Career Podcast, where I interviewed Luke and we talk about it in depth. Level three is showing off these skills. So unfortunately, it's not enough to just learn these skills. You have to let the recruiter or the hiring manager know, yes, I can do all these tasks that you've asked to do in the job description. I'm the right guy or the right gal for the job. And unfortunately, certificates are not the answer to this question. They mean nothing in this industry. They're honestly just pieces of paper. They're new. No one really is exactly sure what you learn in them. Everyone has them. There's the Coursera. There's the Datacamp. There's the Udemy. There's the Google. I even have my own certificate for my bootcamp. 
they're all not worth a thing, unfortunately. They're just pieces of paper. So that's why portfolios are so important. Portfolios actually show off your skills in a way that people can't just like rip in half. Like it is indisputable that you have these skills. Here is the proof. And so what a portfolio is, is some sort of website or collection of projects or examples of way you have used these skills to solve data problems. And it's tangible. It's either done by showing your code, it's done by writing an article or a story that kind of summarizes like almost like a blog post of what you've done. And really, it's like if I've said, for example, hey, I can jump over a car. It's like, all right, Avery, great, prove it. You know, send us a video of you jumping over our car. That's exactly what a portfolio is. You know how to do SQL? You know how to do data wrangling in SQL? Great, show me the proof, show me the video and the video is going to be hosted on your portfolio. So a portfolio is absolutely key if I was trying to land that job as quickly as possible. Level four would be me realizing that there's actually no correlation between my skills and how long it takes for me to land a data job. And let me explain. If I were to sit at my desk and practice SQL all day for six months, but I didn't apply to one job, how many offers do you think I would get? Probably not a lot, right? And we'll talk about some things later in this episode that would help me potentially, but if you're not applying for jobs, you're probably not getting jobs. Now, what if I applied to one a month? Still, that's only six applications. I'm probably not likely to land a job. It's impossible for any person, hiring manager, or any sort of computer system to actually see how skilled at SQL you are from your resume right? It's actually very difficult to do. If I were trying to figure out how good at SQL you are, I'd want to ask you in person. I want to ask you questions. I want to maybe give you a quiz. So unless you are failing SQL tests in interviews or you're failing SQL interview questions in interviews, it's probably not your level of SQL that's holding you back from getting interviews. It's not like how much you know about Tableau or how much you know about Excel. That's unfortunately not holding you back from landing interviews. So what is holding you back from landing interviews? And that is actually level five and level six. Level five is making my LinkedIn a job magnet. There are basically two ways that I could land my next job. I could apply for the job online, like on Indeed or Glassdoor or something like that, or the job could apply to me. And I like that second option a lot better because instead of me going out and say, hey, please hire me, the job's actually reversing and saying, hey, Avery, we think you might be a good fit. Would you please work for us? I'd rather be in that scenario 10 times out of 10. And if you have a good LinkedIn profile, you can actually have this happen. Uh, this actually happened to one of my students inside of my bootcamp last week. They had just started my program. They're literally on week one. I wish this happened to every student, but it doesn't. But it did happen to this student. They cleaned up their LinkedIn and started making posts and they actually got an offer from a CEO that wanted to hire them as an intern. So here's what you need to do in order to have a kick butt LinkedIn profile. Number one is have a great profile picture. If you don't have a great profile picture, it doesn't signal trust and it's, we're just not exactly sure who you are. So make sure it's clear, make sure it's shoulders up and it's very evident who you are and what you look like because humans hire humans and as humans, we wanna make sure we know who we're dealing with. Number two is have a great cover or background photo. This is the wide open real estate on your LinkedIn profile that really no one uses. A lot of the times people just make it like their favorite soccer team or just like the city that they live in. But this is actually an opportunity for you guys to do something unique, to make you stand apart and to give more information about who you are. 
So uh, you can actually create these in Canva for free. It's super easy to do and it's a great way to make your profile stand out. Number three is you need to write a good about section. The about section is like basically the sales letter. It is basically selling yourself as an individual to whoever's on your profile about why you are awesome and why they should want to know you or why they should want to hire you. And so you wanna make sure you tell your story. Every single one of you has a very unique story and that story should be told in that about section. So for example, I would talk about how I was a chemical lab technician, but I got really bored in the lab, but I was really fascinated by all of the analysis that came from my experiments and how I started dabbling in, in doing those analyses for these experiments and how that got me more and more interested in data. And I started learning on YouTube and I started learning from books in the library. And that got me to the point today where I'm trying to land my first data job. Write your superhero story in your about section and pretend that you're the main character. You're Spider-Man, you're Superman, you're Wonder Woman. Make it all about you and your origin story to where you're at today. Then of course, you need to have well-written bullets on your experience section, kind of like the resume part of the LinkedIn. You wanna make sure that you have great bullets there. We'll talk about resume bullets here in a second, but you can't leave the experience sections just empty because that's actually part of the thing that the LinkedIn algorithm mines when you're applying for jobs on LinkedIn and when hiring managers and recruiters are going through the algorithm, the navigation of trying to figure out who to hire, the SEO is included in that part right there. So once again, bonus points if you're posting and commenting on LinkedIn, this helps build your brand and helps your net expand. I always say that when you're trying to land a data job, you need to have a net because luck is falling from the sky, opportunities are falling from the sky, and you're here on earth blindfolded trying to catch these pieces of luck that are falling from the sky. And expanding your network by posting and commenting on LinkedIn makes your net bigger. By way of example, I told you guys about that student in my bootcamp who actually got an offer from a CEO by posting on LinkedIn after creating a really good LinkedIn profile. It's just luck, it doesn't happen to everyone, but you're expanding your net for the opportunity to occur if you have a great profile and you're commenting and posting on LinkedIn. Okay, level six is building an irresistible resume. And what I mean by that is if you think about it, what is a resume? A lot of people think that a resume is just a list of everything that you've done in your career, right? Throw that on a piece of paper, boom, there's a resume. But really when you take a step back and you actually think, what is the purpose of my resume? From your perspective, your resume's purpose is to just get you screener interviews. This is going to be like a 15 minute call with a hiring manager or usually probably a recruiter just to see if you're a normal person and if your resume checks out. That's its only job. No one looks at a resume and says, boom, you're hired. That does not happen without an interview in modern society. So your resume is not to get you hired. It is not to list everything you've done in your entire life. Your resume's job is to get you screener interviews. And so you need to make sure that it's optimized. What does that mean? That means you need to have action verbs. Hiring managers, recruiters, and companies, they want people who get stuff done. So prove that you get stuff done. Recruiters have no indication of what type of person you are unless you tell them. So say, hey, I'm an action taker. I conducted, I did this, I did this analysis. Just all of your accomplishments, the actions you took, the results that came from those actions is what needs to be on your resume. Number two, you need to make sure that the title you're going for is actually on your resume. Even if it's just at the beginning in like your professional summary, I would try to put it somewhere actually on your experience section. If you can, not everyone can, because for example, if you already had a data analyst job, you probably won't have trouble getting your next data analyst job. 
but if you can make your role sound more data analysty than you can, of course, never lie. But if you can make put the right keywords in there, that would be really great. And if you're worried about lying, just know that if you try to lie, the screener interview will screen you out. That's what the screener interview is there for. So I would say stretch as much as you possibly can. And if the screener interviewer is like, hey, I don't actually think your skills or your experience matches your resume, we're not gonna move you on, then you can go back and make that correction. But remember that the resume is only for getting you the interview. And then in the interview, you of course still have to show how awesome you are. A lot of the times you are awesome and you're not getting past the ATS, which is the automatic tracking system. And so that just means that you don't have enough keywords basically in your resume to get past the computer algorithm to actually talk to a human, which can be very difficult. And that actually leads us into number seven, and that is to look for jobs differently. If you want the same results as all the other aspiring data professionals, then do what they're doing. But if you want to be different, do different. And what I mean by that is, yeah, a lot of people, you go to LinkedIn, you see that there's a job opening, maybe for a data analyst role that's remote in the United States, and you go click on it and crap, it has 789 other applicants. How in the world are you supposed to stand out against 789 other applicants? And how do you even know that they're a humans get a look at your resume, right? And the reason this, this is so bad is this is what I call the spray and pray method, which basically means all 789 of these people, including yourself, have gone on, you've set up an alert on LinkedIn jobs for data analysts, remote in the United States, and they all just hit easy apply, easy apply, easy apply, or they all just do a bunch of applications. And instead of spraying and praying, where you're never even gonna get a chance for a human to actually look at your resume, what I would try to do instead is do targeted applications. And what I mean by that is stuff you're a really good fit for, stuff that's maybe in your area, and I know a lot of you guys wanna work remote and that's great, but here's the fun fact right now. In-person and hybrid are hot. Everyone wants a remote job. And for example, if you want a remote job, so does everyone else in Utah, so does everyone else in California, and they can all apply to the same jobs, which makes the job applications go up and up and up, which raises the candidate pool, which makes it a lot harder to actually stand out and get interviews and do well in those interviews. But here's something that you're maybe not realizing, is hybrid is quite a spectrum. Hybrid work can be anywhere from you're in the office four days a week and you work from home one day, I have one student that does that from my program that graduated. And it could be maybe every other day you're in the office, right? That's a form of hybrid. But get this, I have a student who graduated from my program who's hybrid who goes to the office once a quarter. You guys, that's four times a year. That might as well be called remote. But they wanted to hire someone in the area so that they could come in once a quarter. So instead of competing against literally the whole entire world or the whole entire United States, this person was just competing with the people in their city. So if you can find a hybrid job in your area, target focus on those types of jobs, then, then you'll be set. That is the way to go. Also, there's another way. There's a whole hidden market, job market on LinkedIn that you can tap into where you're guaranteed to step in front of the line of everyone who's already applied and actually get to talk to a human. I don't have time to talk about it today, but I actually have a whole video. It's my data webinar that if you guys haven't seen this, go to the comments down below and sign up where I'll explain it in depth. I'll even show you an example of how I found three six-figure entry-level jobs in about 15 minutes using this method. Another thing that you could do to be different and to stand out is actually level eight, and that is to use your network. 
And now I know a lot of you guys right now are thinking, great, I don't know anyone. Because it's not what you know, it's who you know. But if you're like, ah, I don't know anybody, you're wrong, okay? And let me give you an example. Go ahead and pull out your phone. Right now, do this right now. Pull out your phone and go to the contact section of your phone. You have at least a couple people in your contact section of your phone. Now, I want you guys to make a list, go through every single contact, write down their name, and then write down where they work, maybe what they do, for example, and then write down, would they hire a data analyst? Does this company hire data analysts? Have they hired data analysts in the past? Do they have a data analyst opening right now? And make a huge list. And I promise you, as you do so, you'll be surprised. Now, that friend of yours, that family member, that contact, that neighbor, doesn't have to work on the data team, they just have to be inside the company. Because anytime you can have an insider from the company refer you or have you meet the hiring manager or have you meet maybe one of the data analysts on in the data analyst team or something like that, you're putting yourself above the rest of the applications because you're standing out. And so I promise you, if you pull out your phone, you have more connections than you realize and it's really valuable if you can use your network. So go try that right. Level nine is perfecting the interview. And so hopefully you followed all the other levels to this point. Now, when it comes to interviews, there's usually that screener interview that's about 15 minutes uh, with a hiring manager or recruiter. It's just making sure you're normal, making sure that your resume checks out and you can answer, answer a few simple questions. And then there's usually a round or two that are more intense. And those more intense rounds, the key to doing well in them is honestly just practice. So oftentimes those rounds are made up of technical interview questions and more of a behavioral interview questions. The technical is going to be questions that are almost like a quiz about your skills. So they're checking your skills here. And oftentimes, if it's a SQL job, they'll actually give you some sort of a take-home test or some sort of quiz in the moment to do well. And those are very stressful, but when it comes to either of those, practice is key. There's really awesome resources, like I'll put in the show notes down below, uh, Data Lemur, Analyst Builder, Strata Scratch. There's a lot of cool places where you can actually practice these technical interview questions. And so when they actually pop up in a real interview, you're more than ready, right? The second one is behavioral. And behavioral questions, once again, a hiring manager or a recruiter is just trying to figure out, hey, how good of a fit is this person? We don't know this person very well. How good of a fit are they? And the only indication of how they might handle, of how you might handle things in the future is how you handled them in the past. And so these questions will often start with the phrase, tell me about a time. So it'd be like, tell me about a time that you used teamwork in, or you solved a data problem, or that you used Excel, or you used Tableau. These are some sort of storytelling problems. And so you wanna actually answer using what's called the STAR method. But really it's just the storytelling method. STAR stands for situation, task, action, result. What situation were you in? What were you tasked with? What action did you take and what result did you get? So anytime you hear the tell me about a time, you think, okay, star method, and that's how you're going to answer. Once again, they can only really ask so many questions. So the more you practice these, the better you're going to get and the more lucky you're going to get. After you ace the interview, level 10 is actually landing the job and just enjoying it, which is actually really just level one down the road. Because here's the truth about data careers, is there literally is no end. The industry is changing so quickly that literally there's no one on planet Earth that knows everything about data analytics. It knows everything about data. It's impossible because technologies are changing literally every single day. Don't stress out, but data is a journey and you're never going to master any of it. You're just going to be okay at some of it. And that's more than okay because it's going to be fun, it's going to be high paying, and you're going to enjoy it. 
So if you follow this blueprint, I can promise you that you can become a data analyst this year. And if you'd like more of my free resources, including an in-depth webinar, where I talk more about projects and more about networking and more about the hidden LinkedIn job market, click the link in the description down below. Thank you guys for being here.